I don't know how to feel. I'm just frustrated or whatever. And so having that person that had been through something similar is key. And that's why I always tell people, when you receive a diagnosis like cancer, make sure you reach out to someone who can walk with you and say, hey, what you're feeling is okay. Welcome to a Season of Caring podcast, where there's hope for living, loving, and caring with no regrets. This is Randy Noyce, your host, and today I have special guest, Talia Dindi. Talia is a cancer doula, cancer thriver, cancer health equity consultant, mental health first aider, and podcaster, who has dedicated her career to guiding, supporting, empowering, and advocating for people diagnosed with cancer. A supply chain analyst in her previous life, she developed a fulfilling career path from cancer patient to founder and CEO of On the Other Side LLC, a cancer navigation enterprise that provides personalized support using a patient-centered and holistic approach. Talea hosts the Navigating Cancer Together podcast, and she has been a guest on numerous podcasts. Authority Magazine and Thrive Global featured Talea as an authority in the interview series, I Survived Cancer, and here is how I did it. Talea is also a contributing author to number one best-selling and groundbreaking book, I Survived Cancer, and here's how I did it. Welcome, Talia. It's so good to have you here today. Thank you, Raina. It's so nice to be here and talk with you. Oh, wow. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about your cancer journey. I guess that's a good way to put it. Sure. So in 2011, out of the blue, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. I had never had any health issues prior to my cancer diagnosis other than the flu. So it was a big surprise to me. Actually, I learned that I had cancer a year prior, but I wasn't diagnosed. Wow. And I had went to my primary care doctor in 2010. And it was time for my annual exam. I had pointed out a lump on my neck. And I said, you know, I'm concerned about this. What do you think is going on? She didn't look at it. She didn't touch it, anything. She just said, oh, you know, you probably just pulled a muscle. And she felt confident saying that because I was working out quite a bit. But I'm like, okay, well, she didn't look at it. She didn't touch it. But maybe she knows what she's talking about. So to my fault, Raina, I didn't follow through on that until a year later. I was hoping that it would go away. But unfortunately, it did not. And so with life and a lot of different other things that were going on at the time, I just didn't go back to get a second opinion. Mm -hmm. And so 2011, I had shared with my mom that I'm concerned. This lump is still on my neck. It's time for me to get another exam. I believe I need to see a different doctor this time. And so my mom recommended a doctor and her reaction was, a total 360. Mm. I could see the concern on her face, the the worry, and even a little bit of fear. Mm. She touched it. She looked at it. And she just kind of stood there and she's like, I need for you to go in to get an ultrasound as soon as possible. That's the day my life changed. Wow. So many good things there for us just as humans is to realize that when we have a concern, no matter the reaction of the person that we share it with, we've got to follow our gut. I don't know why we don't follow our gut more. 
that something's just not right. And it's so that internal dialogue that you had, oh, she wasn't worried. I've said it. I've said it once. That's enough, right? And then at the same time, that still uncertainty that kind of hangs in there that really we need to learn to go with our gut and make Mm -hmm. sure that they're listening to us and make sure that we really have our questions answered. So, wow. So that, that totally put you on a completely different journey. And I know with lymphoma, it's a lot of isolation, a lot of treatment and in a pretty intense period initially. So from that ultrasound, then what did that look like after it? Sure. So the ultrasound came back inconclusive. They knew something was wrong. They just were not sure what. So that led me to get a fine needle aspiration. That's where they go into that specific tumor and they take out a piece of the tissue for a sample. Unfortunately, after having that procedure done, it came back inconclusive as well. Oh my gosh. They didn't have a large enough sample size. And so that led me to a partial biopsy of that lymph node. So that partial biopsy of the lymph node led to my diagnosis in 2011. It was a little frustrating that I had to, even after waiting a year, I still had to go through all these different steps to really understand what was happening. And thankfully, I was blessed with a wonderful oncologist once I got the final diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And from there on, things were better as far as working with the healthcare system, building my healthcare team and things like that. But from 2010 up to the actual diagnosis, it was really frustrating. And in some ways, it was just kind of like, I didn't want to deal with it. I was afraid but I knew something was wrong. Mm -hmm. So obviously we're talking to caregivers. So I I would love to ask you, who was your primary caregiver and what was that like for you in having them step into that role? Well, I'm excited to talk about this part, Raina, because it displays so much love that caregivers give to the people that they care for. And so my mom was my caregiver. And I tell people, I say, I know that my mom's love helped me heal. Mm -hmm. And so that's one important thing that I want the audience to know who are caregivers is that by helping to take care of your loved one, giving them that love, that's, that's truly helping them to heal in some form or fashion. And so my mom is already my best friend. And that just made us closer. Of course, she was concerned, but she never shed a tear. She was never angry, showed frustration, any of those things. But it was really hard on me to watch her because she lost more weight than I did. So I knew she was worried. Mm -hmm. And that made me feel bad because I'm like, I don't want to put my mom through this. Mm. So dealing with the guilt of that, someone I love, seeing them affected in a negative way by something that I'm going through. And so that just made me love my mom even more, if that's possible. (laughs) And it just, you know, she would go with me to my chemotherapy sessions. So I would have them scheduled on a, say, Wednesday, for example. She was able to set up with her job to get up early on Wednesdays and come with me. And then she was able to have Thursday and Friday off as well to stay with me just to make sure I didn't have any adverse reactions to the treatment. 
And then, you know, she would go back home and get ready for another week at work. So it was it was a lot of changes for the both of us. But thankfully, her ear allowed her to be flexible with her schedule. And like I said, it brought us closer together. That's awesome. And so caregivers, as you're listening, just remember that even no matter if they can express it or if they don't have the personality to express it, that love and the sacrifice that you're making is being seen by the person that you're caring for. And it really does matter. So thanks for that encouragement. How did cancer change you and how did it open your eyes? Oh, Raina, so many things. I would have to say the first thing is, is that it's okay to put myself first. You know, prior to cancer, I was this people pleaser. You know, I wanted to make everybody happy. I wanted everybody to like me. But I truly believe that was making me sick. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that, you know, get out of your shell. By nature, I'm an introverted person. But after having cancer, I'm not afraid to go after the things that I want. I'm not afraid to get out there and talk to different people. Whereas before, I, I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for cancer. Of course, nobody wants cancer, but it did bring me out of my shell. And the other thing is that we don't have to go with what society says we're supposed to be doing. By that, I mean, you know, I was a person that went to college. I got my degree. I got this great corporate job and it wasn't fulfilling for me. And so... Having gone through cancer, having seen my life threatened in a sense, it made me say, hey, what I really want to do with my life is important Mm -hmm. and it's valid. And so that triggered me to start to make a transition out of corporate America and really and truly find my purpose. Yeah, it's sad that so many times it takes something big, a threat of some type to move us to that place to where we really focus in and say what is important and how do I live to my calling and to my purpose. And I'm glad that you found it. I'm glad that you're doing what you're doing. So I know that that transitioned you into becoming a cancer doula. So tell us more about what that is. Yes. So first, Raina, I'll start with the why. Even though I had all these great things that I mentioned, a great oncologist, the support of my family, uh, things were going pretty good. However, there were still some things missing. And that was connecting with someone who had been through something similar, who could truly relate. Of course, my mom cared. My family cared about how I was feeling, but they didn't understand it. Mm -hmm. They didn't understand that I could have treatment one day and feel completely fine after treatment, but boy, on that third day after, Mm -hmm. I'm out of it. It just didn't, they didn't get it. Or they didn't get that one minute I could be happy and the next minute I'm just like, well, you know, I don't know how to feel. I'm just frustrated or whatever. And so having that person that had been through something similar is key. And that's why I always tell people, when you receive a diagnosis like cancer, Make sure you reach out to someone who can walk with you and say, hey, what you're feeling is okay. And so because of those gaps and not only, you know, that emotional support, but also communication, nobody knows how to talk about cancer. 
The other piece is understanding your treatment options, doing that research. For me, that came naturally because I'm an analytical person by nature. I like to read and all those different things, but that's not for everybody. Mm -hmm. And for the people that don't want to do that, that don't understand it, they might be missing out on some key information that can help them make the best decision for them. And so that is something that I want to assist people with as well. And so a cancer doula, in my mind, is someone that supports another person through a major life change and a significant health-related experience. That's cancer. If that isn't cancer, I don't know what it is. Uh And, you know, we have the death doulas. They focus on the end of life. The birth doulas focus on the beginning of life. As a cancer doula, we're focused on the present and helping you get through that cancer and get on the other side of it so that you can actually get on with your life and live the quality of life that you want. That's important work and something that I think so many people are probably completely unaware of that that's even available. And did you find it after your cancer journey or did you have a doula that worked with you? I found it after. And I kept thinking about what are things that I wish I would have had? What are things I wish I would have known? What are resources that I wish I would have had that the clinic didn't provide me with? Mm. You know, and a little more personalization and care would have been wonderful. And I say that to me, no disrespect to the important work that people do at the cancer clinics and hospitals and things like that, but it's not personalized. There's the same resource list that they give out to the same people. My needs might be different from the next person that you just met with. There are times when I wanted more personal time. Mm -hmm. Well, they only have a short window based on the number of people that they have to see that day. And so just having that flexibility, having more time, more personal one-on-one built in, that makes a world of difference. I can definitely imagine that. And I know resource lists, exactly what you said, it's me telling you what I need and then actually being able to say, oh, I know this person or I know this is exactly what we're looking for. And, you know, that excitement that can come and, and journeying together in that versus just picking up a piece of paper and randomly going, let me see if I can call the next five list names on this list and see which one I like the best. You know, there's a lot of work involved in, in just being able to try whenever you're in the midst of having to make so many decisions, it's hard to have to make some of even the simplest ones that something like a, a cancer doula can make such a difference in helping support in that. So what does it look like when you're working with clients? Yes. So Raina, I've always worked with my clients virtually, always. I did have an option in there prior to COVID where if people lived within a 50 mile radius and they wanted to meet in person, I would meet them at their doctor's appointment, serve as their advocate, things like that. But honestly, everyone that I've met with have been pretty much virtually. And so we meet via Zoom. That's my preference because I want them to 
feel like they're connecting with me. I want to see their face. I want to see their body language because that's going to tell me things that they're not going to say. But then also there's an option for people that are not comfortable and we can talk on the phone, but most people do prefer Zoom. So what does having your support do for the person and the family? So having my support helps the person worry less about what's next, what's going to happen, where do I get this information, how do I talk to my job about my diagnosis, what do I need to be eating? So it it lightens their load. Are there different things that may benefit my cancer? Are there integrative therapies that I should be considering? So that's legwork and research that they don't have to do. You know, they tell me, hey, Talia, this is what I'm struggling with, or I'm looking for this kind of support. And we work on that together. And they're not alone. They have someone to talk to who has been through it. Now, when it comes to their family, a lot of times, as I mentioned earlier, my own experience, people really don't feel comfortable talking to their family because they don't get it or they don't want to overwhelm them and add more stress. And so they tend to hold those things in. Well, with me, they can get it out. But then also their family doesn't have to feel like there's this barrier and wall between them. And even if they're struggling with how to connect with their loved one who has cancer, I can help them through that as well so that they don't go further apart. They actually come together and know that, hey, we have this neutral person who can support both of us. And I don't need to share what I talk about with one person or the other. I just need to make sure that they're being taken care of. I was talking to a caregiver at a support group today, and she was just saying how nice it is to just be able to talk to other people. And I said, I think one of the things that happens is when we talk to family members or someone who's not going through it, is they want to fix us. They want to solve the problem. It can feel bad that they really can't solve it because I can't even let you solve my problem because it's not solvable. And at the same time, it also feels bad to have someone trying to fix you. And so I imagine having you journeying with the person who's in the midst of this life-changing diagnosis can bring a lot of comfort in just having that person to talk to who's not trying to fix them, but rather just sitting with them. That's right. That's that, And that's so important because you're already going through this thing that's threatening your life. You're wondering, you know, all these different things. Am I going to make it? Is this treatment going to work? Am I going to lose my job? You name it. And so there's already a lot there. And a lot of people just don't know how to talk about it. They don't know how to work through it. And so they shut down. Well, that's not good because you're carrying all these things around that's actually working against your treatment because it's lowering your immune system. We want you, we want your immune system working as good as it can. So let's get rid of some of that baggage and weight. Let me carry some of that so that you can truly focus on healing. And then the other part of that is there's so many people that love their family members. They want to help. They don't know how. And then the person that needs the help doesn't know what they need. They know they need help. They don't know how to communicate that. And so there you have it. (laughs) Nothing's being done. Mm. And so both sides are feeling isolated. 
no, let's get this out in the open and bring the sides together. That's amazing. Well, I love what you do, Talia, and I'm so glad that I've been able to share that with our audience. And if you are a caregiver who is caring for someone who is on a journey with cancer, definitely I want them to be able to connect with you. So what's the best way to do that? Absolutely. So they can visit my website. It's on the other side, that life, or they can send me the email at Talaya, T-A-L-A-Y-A at on the other side, dot life. And then of course I'm on social media as well, but email or my website is the best option. That's great. And I know you offer a 30 minute conversation just to even see and explore if maybe it would be a good fit to work together. So I really encourage you to make that connection if that's part of your journey, just to find no matter where you are in the journey, it's not too late to have a cancer delay, is it? It's not too late. If you've just gotten a diagnosis, if you started started treatment, or you're even into survivorship, it's not too late because each phase has its own different things that you're going to have to work through. It doesn't end when treatment stops. So keep that in mind. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Raina, for having me and for sharing your platform. It's been a pleasure. Just a reminder, a CSM Caring podcast has been created for the encouragement of family caregivers. If you have financial, legal, or medical questions, be sure to consult your local professionals and take heart in your season of caring. This podcast episode has been brought to you by the Gratitude Challenge. Sign up today at a slash gratitude to be a part of the 21-day Gratitude Challenge grow your gratitude muscle and receive all the positive impacts that gratitude can have on your life.